message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Well, it's great to celebrate Easter together. So good uh, to be together. I know uh, lots of people are away this weekend with uh, visiting family and so on, but it's great you're here. Thank you for being with us. Um, I guess you would have noticed the painting over there. You can kind of have a look at that a little bit later. And it is worth a closer look, actually. It tells a little bit of a story. Uh, you might want to go and have a look at that uh, at the end of our uh, time together. We're talking of, uh, talking of chocolate and Easter eggs. Uh, I did a bit of research this week. Do you, know that? Do you want to hear my results of my research? It was not to eat every available chocolate egg, Easter egg uh, in Sainsbury's, although that was quite tempting. Um, but I discovered that around 80 million chocolate eggs are sold annually in the UK. And uh, if you were observant in supermarkets, you'd have noticed that uh, many were on sale from the 1st of January this year, which, is, uh, which I think was quite early, but there we are, don't get me started on that. And the most popular Easter egg worldwide is cream egg. Give that man a cream egg. <laughs> that is the most popular uh, uh, Easter egg. They first went on sale in... 1822. <laughs> <laughs> they first went on sale in Morrison's. Yes, that, 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 they first went... The, okay, cream eggs are older than me. But not as old as John. <laughs> Harsh but fair. <laughs> they first went on sale in 1971. So there you go. Um, and, uh, and the Bourneville factory, if it, indeed it's still there and hasn't been moved somewhere abroad, can make 1.5 million eggs every... It's not a second. Day. 1.5 million a day. That, that, that's, that's just amazing, isn't it? That's, that's a heck of a lot of, of chocolate there. And uh, 500 million are made each year, with one third being exported overseas. Right, now this is my service to you, this little bit. Dietitians have warned that eating five Easter eggs, somebody's had five already by the sounds of it. Dietitians have warned that eating five Easter eggs, which is apparently is the average given to most children, plus the bars included with them, which I think are much smaller than the other bars that you can buy separately, but that's something else not to get me started on, could see youngsters doubling their recommended calorie intake for a week, risking becoming hooked on chocolate, plus seeing their weight increase by several pounds within days. The recommended daily amounts are around 2,000 calories a day for an average 11-year-old boy and 1,500 for a girl. But many could be eating up to 10,000 calories over the Easter period. So that is a good reason not to give children Easter eggs and instead give them to me. Okay? So there you go. That is what I suggest. But listen, we know, we know, listen, we know Easter is much more than about chocolate. A survey conducted amongst children aged 8 to 15 in 2014 found that 90% knew that Jesus was nailed to a cross. And 80% knew that it was Judas who betrayed Jesus 
However, 28% of children surveyed also thought that the hare and the tortoise featured in the Easter story. And 29% didn't know that God raises Jesus from the dead. So whilst many of our children do know something of the Easter story and something of the good news of the gospel, they clearly don't know it all. So what's the Easter story all about? Well, that's what I want us to look at this morning. We're going to have a song now that's going to lead us uh, into that subject. But we're going to spend a few moments this morning looking at what the Easter story is really all about and what it means for us this morning. But this song will lead us into that. Thanks, guys. Fantastic. Thanks, guys, so much. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, so before we consider the Easter story and what we celebrate this weekend, we need to go back and we need to consider why this is important, why it's even, in fact, necessary. So right at the beginning of the Bible, we're told right in the book of Genesis, right at the beginning of this book, we're told that God creates men and women. And he creates them in his own image for relationship with himself. And he gives them some amazing freedom, liberty, and gives them all of creation to enjoy and to partake in. And they're to be in fellowship with him, but also to be obedient to him. But you see, God didn't create some automatic robots that were programmed to do the will of their master. Now he created human beings with a mind and a free will of their own. And you may know the story. Adam and Eve disobeyed God and sin entered the previously perfect world and nothing would ever be the same again. And now mankind was under God's judgment. Because there was now a divide between man and God. But the good news is that this didn't take God by surprise. Sometimes we can read the story and think, oh no, it's all gone wrong. What, what, what was God thinking? Did he not think about this? Had he not considered it? You know, was he taken by surprise somehow? Is this a shock to him? But you know, right before this happened, God had a plan. He knew. And his plan was to restore that broken relationship. And he could only do it one way. He could only do it by sending his son. You see, there are lots of things that uh, we could try to... uh, Lots of things that we could try to restore that relationship. But actually, none of those things work. The things we could try are things like, you know doing good or trying to be obedient or, or, or putting our own effort in. All of these things, they're like trying to get across a great um, cavern, if you like. And none of them reach across. None of them make it to the other side. Nothing that you or I can do actually will bridge the gap between man and God. The only thing that bridges the gap is what God can do by sending his son. 
That's what we're celebrating <coughs> over Easter time. And so what's the story so far? Well, to jump forward to pick up scripture sometime later, Jesus, the Son of God, is born as a human baby. And Jesus lives a perfect, sinless life for around 33 years. The Son of God in human flesh. The only man who has never sinned, who has never done anything wrong. The only person that's lived a totally perfect life. And he spends about three years preaching and teaching and healing the sick and calling people to follow him. We've got records of that in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. But now he's arrested on false charges. He's, he's whipped and he's tortured and cruelly crucified. And Jesus dies an agonizing death and his body is taken down from the cross and it's laid in an empty tomb. And that tomb is then made secure. Guards are posted on it because the authorities wanted to make sure that his disciples wouldn't come to try and steal the body and make up stories as to what may have happened. So this is where we jump into the Bible's account. We'll read some scripture together. If you've got a Bible with you, I'd actually like to turn or click to Luke chapter 24. We'll read some verses together. We don't have time this morning to read uh, the entire account the Bible gives us of Jesus' death and his resurrection and his subsequent appearance to many of his disciples, but we're going to read some of it. And I'd encourage you, perhaps over this Easter period, to read the rest of it as well. Luke chapter 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. They did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. So it's the third day. And the women wanted to anoint Jesus' body, as was the custom, with spices that they prepared. And they couldn't do it the day before because it was the, the Sabbath and so and they were expected to rest. So they go this next day expecting to find the body of Jesus so they could anoint his body with the spices. And so naturally they went to where they'd expect to find it. They went to the tomb 
where his body has been, had been laid. When he was taken down, dead off the cross, he was put in this tomb. But the tomb was empty. Jesus was not there. Hallelujah. And so suddenly, what other reports call angels appear and tell them that Jesus isn't there. And the great question that the women are asked is this. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? You see, the women had assumed that Jesus was still dead, which I guess is not unreasonable, seeing as the Romans had crucified him. The Romans were good at many things. One of them was killing people. And crucifixion was so barbaric, Roman citizens weren't crucified. And even the Romans themselves banned it some years later because it was so horrific. So they, they knew what they were doing. And so they expected to find Jesus dead. And instead they find an empty tomb with some news that would change everything. So why is an empty tomb significant? Why is that so important to us? It's because it points to the resurrection of Jesus. That's why it's so important to us. The angels go on. He is not here. He has risen. Hallelujah. Is that significant? Absolutely. It changes everything. You see, everything turns on what we celebrate at Easter. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is absolutely central to the Christian faith. Without it, we have nothing. Everything hinges on what we celebrate this weekend. God sent his son to pay the price that was required for you and I, not only to be forgiven of our sin, our rebellion against God, but also to be adopted into his family as his sons and daughters. Listen to how Paul puts it to the Galatians in Galatians 4. He says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Isn't that good? So often we limit, if I can put it quite like that, what Jesus did just to earn the forgiveness of sin. And, it, and that's massive, isn't it? It's huge. But it was in order that our relationship with God might be restored. And that we might once again be sons and daughters of the living God. See, God has done all that is required for you to be part of his family to be adopted as sons and daughters. Your sin can be forgiven. You can have a certain hope and a future. You see, everything changes because of what we celebrate this weekend. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is wonderful, isn't it? It is good news. That's what the gospel means. Good news. And indeed, it is. But I found it fascinating this week as I was reading through it again that the women go, go looking for this, the body of Jesus. And you know, their intentions were good, weren't they? Their intentions were to anoint his body with the right spices. 
But the trouble is, they weren't looking for the right thing. They were looking for the dead body of Jesus. Not the resurrected, full of life and risen Jesus. And so angels meet them and proclaim the world-changing phrase, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Hallelujah. So Jesus had indeed risen. He was now neither dead nor lifeless. He was alive. And slowly they remember, oh yes, I remember Jesus spoke about this, didn't he? He'll be crucified and then on the third day, be, uh, third day rise again. And as you look through the gospel accounts of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, you see that slowly the disciples get it. And they say, ah, yeah, he, Jesus spoke about this. And you see how Jesus appears to them and, and declares himself that he indeed has risen. Just a few verses later in Luke 4, 36, while the disciples were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. <laughs> but he encourages them to touch him and to see that he is real and alive and has risen once again. There's the great account, isn't there, on the road to Emmaus. A couple of them were walking and off to another place and just talking among themselves about what's happened over these last few days. And this stranger joins them and talks with them. And he asks them questions. What is it that's going on? What are you describing? And they say to him, don't you realize everything that's happened in the last few days? And they didn't realize it was Jesus, the risen Jesus that was walking with them. And again, he, he takes on a wonderful Bible study. It tells us that um, he, he goes through the law and the prophets and explains to them everything that was to happen to him. It would be a wonderful study to be part of, wouldn't it? I mean, it would be the best Bible study ever as Jesus goes through the Old Testament and explains to them everything that was going to happen to himself and why they should now believe. And then they realise, and they see in a moment, uh, as Jesus goes to break bread, that it's him. And he's taken from them. And they realise, hey, it was the Lord. And they run back and tell the other disciples, they, yeah, yeah, we realise now that Jesus has indeed risen from the dead. So the women went looking for the dead body of Jesus to anoint it with spices. So my question for us this morning is this. What is it that you're looking for? And are you looking in the right place? So they were looking for the dead body of Jesus. They were looking in a tomb. What is it that you are looking for? And are you looking in the right place? And the truth is that most of us are looking for things, aren't we? Depending upon your age, your background, maybe your stage of life, you're probably looking for different things. But all of us will be looking for things like forgiveness, significance, a meaning to life, purpose in it all. So without these things, you end up just meandering along, and none of us want to be doing that. And that's certainly not what God intends. You're not meant to meander. You're meant to make a difference and live with purpose. Jesus said this in John 10. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal 
and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You notice that abundant life, not just in the future, but now. So often we can put off abundant life thinking that Jesus is talking purely about what will happen uh, when we die and we, we're taken to be with him. We think that will be life abundant. And yes, it will be abundant and wonderful. But listen, Jesus comes that you might have life and have it abundantly now. Not just in the future, now. Another translation puts it, life in all its fullness. You can have that now. But what about forgiveness? Well, of course, the events of Easter, Jesus' death and his resurrection speak of forgiveness. Jesus came preaching a message of repentance and forgiveness. And because of his death and his subsequent resurrection, repentance can lead to forgiveness. And as Jesus was nailed to the cross and died, he took on himself the punishment that really you and I should be facing for everything that we've done wrong. He paid the price. He did all that is required for you to be forgiven. For your guilt to be taken away and you to be restored in your relationship with God just as he always intended. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? He's done it all, everything. And in rising to life again, he's now made it possible for you and I to be restored in our relationship with God. He puts it all right. We can be adopted into God's family. You can know forgiveness. But as well as that, you can know meaning and purpose in your life. We all like to have a purpose to things, don't we? We like to know there's a reason for doing things. We like to know there's a purpose for what we're doing in life. Well, following Jesus can bring you that purpose and meaning to your life. Now, you can look in all sorts of places, but you won't be satisfied unless you look at the one true source of all these things, Jesus Christ himself. That's what we celebrate this weekend, isn't it? And so this Easter, you can have the opportunity of knowing Jesus, maybe for the very first time. Or maybe if you've been walking with him for years, you can know fresh assurance and fresh faith in him and all that he's done. Easter should be significant for all of us. Whether it's the first time we've heard this message or whether we've heard it Countless times, more times than we care to remember. It should be significant for all of us because it speaks truth into our lives. And as we receive truth into our lives, as we allow it to do us good, as we allow it to speak to us, as we uh, allow ourselves to think about all that Jesus has done, that changes us from the inside, doesn't it? It changes us from the inside. Trying to change from the outside doesn't work, does it? But allowing God to do something on the inside changes our heart. And as we think over this weekend about all that Jesus has done, it does something to our heart. And I want to encourage us, friends, if this is the first time you've heard this message, if this is the first time you've ever thought, hey, maybe it applies to me, because it does. And I want to encourage you this Easter time 
Make it a time for decision. Make it a time for deciding to accept Jesus and follow him. Make it a time for believing in all that he's done for you and all that he wants to do in you. If that's you, you can do that this, this year. This Easter can be that moment for you. My friends, for those of you who have been walking with Jesus for, for many years, some of you for longer than I have, this Easter can be significant for you as well. Because as you allow God to speak to your heart, as you allow the Easter story to, if you like, sort of percolate in your soul, if I can put it like that, as you perhaps meditate on it, as you think of it over this weekend, maybe over the rest of the day, you can allow God to do you good, to change you from the inside. Because as you do that, and as you allow the truth of the gospel to feed you, God changes things in your heart. And as you think about him and think about his goodness that we've sung about this morning, his wonderful grace, as you accept more of his Holy Spirit into your life, that changes you. The Bible speaks about fruits that the Spirit brings to us. And it's as, as, as we allow him to work through us and allow him to work in our lives, the Holy Spirit brings fruit. Things like peace and patience and kindness and goodness, self-control. These things the Holy Spirit brings to us through working in our heart. You might think, oh, I just need to be a, a, a more peaceful person. Uh, I need to be a kinder person. And you might think, I need to work hard at that. Well, maybe you do. But listen, the more you think about Jesus, the more you allow him to work in your heart, the more you say, Holy Spirit, would you flood me? Would you, allow, would you work through me? Would, you, would your presence come to me? The more you do that, he'll change you from the inside. So this Easter time, this Easter weekend as we celebrate it together, whether you're hearing it for the first time or hearing it for the nth time, God wants to do something in your heart, even today, even now. I believe he wants to bring fresh assurance to some. For some of you, you've maybe had a bit of a battering in the last year or so. God wants to bring fresh assurance to you of his goodness of his kindness, of his love for you and for his purpose for your life. That's you. He wants to do that even now. He wants to bring fresh assurance to you, fresh faith to you. And if it's for the first time that you've heard this message, then hear again the verse I quoted earlier from John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, he can take away your guilt and take away your shame and replace them with forgiveness and new life in him. He has done it. All it takes for you is to turn and repent. Turn away from everything that you've 
done wrong and to trust in him as your Lord and Saviour to make him the Lord of your life and to follow him. And as you do that, and as you believe in his death and resurrection and accept him as your Lord, you can find peace and joy, forgiveness and hope in Jesus Christ. That is something that's worth celebrating. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray. The band are going to come back up and we're going to sing a, a final song to celebrate together. But before we do that, let's just pause for a moment. Maybe happy day again, something like that, Adam. Let's just pause for a moment. I just want to wait for a moment and just allow the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants to do in these moments. Easter is a time for celebration and we're going to celebrate in a second. Before we do that, I just want to allow the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants to do. So I do believe for some of you this morning, there's There's coming to you in these moments fresh assurance and fresh faith in Jesus. And even as we look to him and look to all that he has done for us, let's believe he wants to give fresh assurance and fresh faith in him. Now this feel the assurance issue is you saying, yeah, but you don't and understand what I've done. You don't understand all that I've been through. You don't know what it's been like. You don't know how I've rebelled against God. And that's true, I don't. But listen, he does and is not faced by it. He does and he's paid the price. He does and he's still made the way open to you. So, Father, I want to pray right now for fresh assurance. Lord, for any that would be maybe even doubting their very salvation, doubting that a way back could be found for them. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would speak to their hearts and bring fresh assurance that the cross has covered it, that the blood of Jesus has paid the price. I want to pray right now. Let fresh assurance come. And Father, for any, for this Easter might be the first time of turning to you. I pray right now in these moments, would they hear your voice inviting them to a relationship with you. Thank you that you've made it possible. You've done all that is required. And Lord, I want to pray right now. Lord, as we celebrate new birth at Easter, (laughs) new life in you, I pray, Lord, that this Easter time, there'll be stories of new birth and new life in you.
Just as we have our eyes closed in this moment, just before we sing and celebrate together. If this describes you, if you for the first time want to put your trust and hope in Jesus, or you know that you need to come back to him because you've, you've walked away as it were, just as we have our eyes closed, just raise your hand, I want to pray for you. If for the first time you want to put your trust in him, or you know that you've walked away, I want to come back to him. Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you have accomplished on the cross. <coughs> Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you that you've made it possible for us to have our sin forgiven and a relationship with you. Yes, Lord. Amazing grace, wonderful good news. And Father, I want to pray right now for any who are putting their trust in you for the very first time today. Mm. <coughs> that Lord Jesus, it will be a day of real celebration as you become the Lord of their life. And Father, for any who are coming back to you, Lord, I pray that the story of the prodigal son would resound in their hearts <laughs> as one who came back to the Father and found a father not who judged him, but who celebrated his return. Mm. And so Lord, we pray over this Easter time that uh, you would speak to our hearts, that Lord Jesus, you would come to us and we would see again all that you have accomplished for us. We ask it please in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. 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 Thank you.